Okay, you're in a cruise ship that sinks equidistant between two equally identical islands, both capable of supporting human life. But this time, you're not alone. Riley Brown, it turns out there's been another survivor of the sunken cruise ship. You turn and you see someone. You introduce yourself. Who's there? Who's there? Hey, Riley. It's a me, Cario. <laughs> Uh, Sorry. Hey, wow, hey. it's another cast away from our studio. Hey, hello. You're both uh, bobbing there in the water. The ship is sunk. You're like, wow, that was something. Suddenly, the sea god Poseidon himself raises from the foam, and he's like, you have a choice to make, mortals. There are these two equally identical islands, both capable of supporting human life. You must choose now which island you will swim to, because once you swim to one, you will never be able to leave again. And you may be able to escape eventually if someone finds you, but there's no guarantee. So choose wisely. Because I'm going to send sharks after you and stuff. You can't get off the island. Now, you're both bobbing in the water, so you don't have that great of view. But you look to one side, you see an island. It's very brightly colored. Like a lot of primary colors, even. You look to the other island, you see like kind of more standard-looking island, covered with vegetation and stuff like that. You may begin asking your questions now. So it, what do you mean it's primary colored? Like it's just painted it's or it's more colorful or? It's, it almost looks like it's made of lots of little tiny blocks. Like you see lots of little splotches of yellow and red. And Is it made green. out of Legos, George? It's absolutely made of Legos. <laughs> that was quick. You guessed this. Okay. Well, so I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> I mean, you made it pretty easy, George. I mean, come on. Come on. So, but here's the thing. To say it's made of Legos is maybe a bit of a misnomer. Because if you choose to swim to this island, as you get close, you will see it's not really Lego constructed of anything. It's just a gigantic, like, island-sized pile rising up from the bottom of the ocean of loose Lego bricks. Mm. You, by the way, um, you guys had both been hanging out in the hot tub when the boat went down, so you're Wait, both together. naked. Same time? Yep. Naked? Yeah, we were, yeah. we were hanging out in the hot tub naked. It was a big hot tub. There and right. there was, you know what? Like there was like some there was some sexy ladies in between you. So <laughs> wait, so what happened to them then? Why is it? Why, <laughs> why, why am I stuck with this guy? I want yeah, to be stuck with the fuck, sexy George? ladies. You guys, uh, you what guys, island did they go to? Uh, they went to Poseidon's palace under the sea. He's like, I'm scooping up the ladies. Yoink! See ya. He's you know he's a dog. Poseidon. He does this every time. Okay. I'll give you, you know what? You guys both have Speedos on. How's that? I feel a little bit better about that. Yeah. But no shoes. No shoes. Okay, I, I have a question. Yes. So the island made of Legos, are there like living Lego people on this island or is it literally just a pile of Legos? It's so weird you ask that because as a matter of fact, it turns out the inhabitants of the island are little tiny Lego minifigures who are alive. Unfortunately, are they they're scaled very small. They're like, minifigure size? Yeah, they're minifigures. But turns out, if you get to this island, if you were to construct like a full-size Lego person, by the magic of this island, that person would become alive. So okay. you could make like giant Lego people. So are we master builders? In this instance, you certainly are. You have, for all intents and purposes, unlimited Lego bricks like literally piled to the ocean floor. And unfortunately, I mentioned you're, you're almost naked. So you're going to like be walking. Have you ever stepped on a Lego brick? It's yeah. infamously very painful. Yeah. So also, it's going to be. I, you, we're, we're, are we in the tropics right now? Is it warm? Yes, it's very warm. It's a cruise ship. So that means the Lego Island is going to be like super hot because it's like hot plastic. Mm, no, because, well, I guess the black ones will be because they absorb it. Uh, but Wait like a minute. Ones... <laughs> <laughs> why? Why the what are you trying to say about the black ones, George? Just, look, look, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, the white ones are reflecting stuff. The black ones are absorbing stuff. The green ones are just kind of sitting there. Um, yeah, you know what? I guess they do get hot, so you're going to have to make yourself some shelter. Um, you're going to have to make yourself some shoes. Well, I'm, I'm not as concerned about that at the moment as I am 
about the food situation. Can I eat the Legos? Well, you could, but it wouldn't be a good idea because they're like lumps of plastic. There so, are those new Lego that they're making that are derived from plant material, so you could probably eat those, but still a bad uh-huh. idea. But here's the thing. Poseidon is a kind god. He did steal the sexy ladies in the hot tub. But what he does is every single day, three times a day, he floats some meals in little Lego containers to the island. And they're actually good meals. And they're made of human foods. Okay. But he doesn't give you utensils, so you'd have to make Lego utensils. Right. There is another island. There yeah, is another what's, island. What's this other island like? <clears throat> when, so it's this, it's just a regular to... looking, you said it's not as colorful. It's regularly colored. Yeah, it looks like just a normal tropical island, which sounds oh, very inviting. That sounds good. Are there, are there living beings on that island? There is an indigenous people on this island. They're not any group of people you've ever seen on Earth before. Let's give them a weird color. Um, they're still like, you know, it's kind of like Star Trek aliens where they still are attractive to you. Okay. You'd be like, okay. oh, hot. But like, they're like weirdly colored and they have something wrong with their nose. Because like, that's every Star Trek alien. Right. So let's say they're, um, Star Trek, the minimal prosthetics. Right. Yeah. Let's say they're like, um, I don't know, purple. I was trying to think okay. of a color that nobody's ever done before. They're, I mean, they've all been done. There's like seven colors. So they're all purple. There are people there. They speak a language you don't understand. Um, but like I said, very attractive people, except their noses are a little weird. They have like a, like a ridge on their nose or something. Um, but you, don't, you can't talk to them. Yes, Kari. So we've established these are humanoid-like species. Humanoid, yes. Are they also tiny like the Lego, like the Lego people? <laughs> oh, no, I wish I'd thought of that, but no, they're not. But they're... remember, you can make full-size Lego people. I will okay. say these people are like, they're maybe on average like an inch or two smaller than somebody in the United States. They're like, you know, they're just, they're an island people. They have a little bit of that island effect. They're a little bit smaller. Okay. Do they have... Um, reproductive organs they do and as luck would have it the reproductive organs will fit pretty nicely with your reproductive organs um there's enough of a genetic difference though that you don't (laughs) (laughs) there's enough of a genetic difference so you don't have to worry about absolutely uh, accidentally impregnating them though so it's kind of like that's pretty cool so you can have you know sex with either sex in fact i didn't ask about sex george i just asked if they had Reproductive organs. Yeah, oh, they do. Let's, let's say I'm, I'm just not... gonna. Let's say I don't know why you, I don't know why you went happen. there. I just had a question. I don't know, man, because you guys are talking about making giant Lego people. Oh. I figured why else gonna do that? <laughs> I don't think we were talking about. <laughs> There's three sexes on this island. One that roughly is equal three? to men. One that's roughly equal to women. One that's roughly equal to owls. So they have like cloacas and stuff. Aren't Oh, okay. Okay. No. And they okay. do a cloacal kiss. So maybe like you don't have sex with those ones, but the, maybe you're into cloacal kiss. I'm not here to kink shame. There is a problem on this island. Uh-huh. Um, it's not food related. This island, you don't get your meals floated to you prepared by chefs. Did I mention Lego Island is prepared by chefs? Yes. So they are prepared by Poseidon. Uh, well, Poseidon enlists the chefs. Okay. Who's that guy that wears the cro- like the wooden shoes all the time? The guy with the red hair? Excuse uh, me. He's some famous chef. He wears wooden shoes. He's like got an Italian name. I don't know. That's no, the guy. I'm Lagasse? Lagasse? I don't, I don't watch the food network. So I, don't I don't either. Know. So he's okay. a famous chef. Let's just say that. Or she. <laughs> so on this island, there's like lots of like really beautiful fruits and stuff. And the people, like they know how to like get the bounty of the sea. There's some weird animals they eat, but everything looks pretty good. Like, you know, it's just, you know, it's kind of cool. Here's the problem. Every time there's something about their voice, every time one of these people calls out to you, you violently shit yourself. Okay. Every time you hear their voice. Okay. So from their point of view, these strange, or maybe just one of you goes, or maybe none of you, this strange person comes out of the sea. Mm-hmm. A different skin color they've ever seen. A little bit taller, a little bit better looking. The female equivalents are like, hmm. The male equivalents are like, hmm. The owl equivalents are like, eh, because they like like cloacas. But they, they look at you and they're all intrigued. And they yeah. say something in their native tongue like, hoobadoobo. And then you just fucking violently shit yourself. So it's yeah. always like diarrhea. Yeah. And it's like, it's cramps too. It's like, you're like, oh, and then like. Well, that like, sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to that island. I'll go to the Lego Island, I think. That does it. The, the, the shitting, I don't need that in my life. 
I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. Poseidon making me dinner. I'm I'm good with the Legos. I mean, if if now I'm going with the shit shit island. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I feel like the the conversation will probably be better. I don't feel like Legos have a lot to talk about. I have to work harder to like. I don't want to talk to like little Legos, and I don't want to create life either. I just want to talk to people, and possibly have sex with them. And uh, possibly poop yourself every time you talk to them. Look, you're gonna poop no matter what. So who cares? I don't. You know, hmm. poop happens. Well, Kari brings up a good point because like this is a violent pooping, right? So after the first time, like he comes up to the beach, they say like dooby doo, whatever. He violently shits himself. They're like, oh my God, because they're going to say something. <laughs> and gonna... this is the kind of conversations you want to have. <laughs> and then he violently shits himself again. But this time, just, I mean, he's just washed off a cruise. Like, he's got to be kind of empty, right? So he still has the stomach grind, like, oh, but it's just like a. No, 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 I'm going to be chilling over there on Lego Island. I'm going to build some cool forts. Okay. I'm going to have a good okay. old time with my little Lego buddies. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blast. I have one more question. Yes. This, this is, this is, this seals the decision. You know how like diseases like typhoid, where you Ooh. basically shit yourself to death. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, you, I think that's what it is. Right. Something like that. Uh, it's one of those. Isn't Let's typhoid the one that makes typhoid. your lung, that's the one that gives you holes in your lungs, right? I don't fucking know. That's the typhoid one of, Mary one. It's the, um, the, uh, there's a lot of diseases where you shit yourself to death. Okay. Will I shit myself to death or can I just keep living and shitting? So here, I, I, I think the people on this island, um, they're pretty smart. They deduce very quickly. They're like, oh, you know, we're, we're obviously our language is hitting the exact tone that makes your, it hits your brown note, so to speak. Yeah. You have to shit immediately. Yeah. So they create a special word for you that they actually speak in a very different voice tone than usual. So this word doesn't trigger you. So whenever you're coming into town or they see you in the island, you will hear calls of this word before you. By coincidence, this word sounds a lot like the name Kari. Okay. So it's kind of call your name out ahead of you and they all just kind of like be quiet. And because when you do come to town and they accidentally say something, you violently shit all over the place, you're not stopping to pick this up, they are. They're like, okay. So they kind of like, you kind of have like- Wait, you're saying I'm role. dumb? Like, I wouldn't understand that clearly every time they talk, I'm shitting no, myself. You think I wouldn't no, figure that out? No, you understand. You're not cleaning it up, though. You're doubled over in stomach pain. And you're humiliated because you only had one pair of Speedos, which you immediately soiled upon landing. <laughs> so you just kind of like, you get it, right? I just feel like that would happen at least once or twice a day just by no. accident. No, 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 no. Because this, this is why I pick this island. I'm going to okay. make the, the perfect <laughs> pitch for this island. Once we all figure out that this is the problem, we just create a whole new language. We do sign language. Oh, see, I, now that's what he just came up with is a really smart idea. Because I was going to say, in the interim phase, you're given kind of like the uh, role of holy outcast. They, there's like a, a, a hut they build outside of town. They bring you food every day. It's like a, a cone of silence around there. So you're on this island where they just don't come and talk to you. But they do send up a few of their young people, even the owl people, up every day to bring you meals of fresh fruits and weird sea creatures and stuff. And they kind of just like, you know, here you go, mighty Kari, or Riley, as it may be. Uh, Please don't shit. But then what he says is super clever. Oh, yeah. Because we're dealing with, we're all intelligent here. You could like start, you could do like a hand gesture. And they're like, oh, that means he's happy. I'm clearly a god on this island. You've already established that I'm the best looking person on this island and mm. everyone wants to bang me. They're going to do whatever I need them to do. So if I am like, hey, I'm not going to sign that out because I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> but <laughs> we will understand. We will figure out how to communicate. I'll, I'll write in the sand. Whatever. No problem, man. My problems are done. I'm going to count that nobody has a. You better hope that nobody like dislikes you for any reason. I mean, I'm going to make some enemies. You have a great amount of power over you. I'm definitely going to like sleep with somebody's significant other at some point. Yeah, and then there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a war where they just talk at you. They're owl, uh, you know. But my people will go to war for me, so (laughs) problem solved. I'm good. Now here's something interesting. You you brought up the fact that you're a god. 
Riley's living on an island, it sounds like, where he literally could create right. life. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Lego Island. I'm, Riley's the god of toys. <laughs> yeah, but like, right. I'm... They're toys that come to life, Kari. To life. I'm intrigued by the idea. So we know that the sea god Poseidon is preventing Riley from leaving the island, but the island itself has not been constructed. It's just a pile of bricks. And we know from when you originally sank, the two islands are close enough that you were able to see from your low position in the water each location. Could Riley actually use the bricks to extend like a plateau out where he could you lead his Lego try. monsters to attack your island full of people? He can try all he wants. I'm going to build a warlike tribe. We've established this already. I so do. I've, got, I've got my little Lego dudes. They're going to have their little Lego spears. Destroy you. Where I'm going to take over your island, except for I'm never going to go there because, I'm gonna, because I don't want to poop myself in my little Speedo. <laughs> well, you don't want these problems. They love me. They don't love you. Wait, Riley, you're not going to make Lego armor? I mean, yes, I, he uh, is. I yes, could, he is. I'm sure I'll you try. you got to make these Lego shoes. I'm sure, I'm sure I could come up with some Lego sandals, um, but it would be hard <clears throat> to really make clothing that is articulated enough. Riley's going to be so uncomfortable. I'm going to be in my island of silence and sex the entire time. <laughs> when you put it that way, that does sound pretty good. That's I just, I, I think you have too much faith in your like, island folks to, to respect your silence all the time. You they know? love me, Riley. They love I me. think, um, you I think Ari's choosing... Them. You're choosing the path you're going to burn bright and fade out quick. You're like, yes. you're like <laughs> yes. however long it is, you're like, yes, I have had sex with every comely person on this island. Yeah. It's awesome. They bring me food. Oh, I slept with your significant other. Now you're just going to keep talking to me until I literally shit myself and dry. Die. Yeah, no, listen, no one's going to come pick us up. It's, this is life for here on out. So I might as well make the best of it. Not playing with Legos, hot Legos all day. And little people, forget it. Forget the, it. the Legos are, you know, we're going to build shade, so it's going to be fine. The heat, that's not, a, that's not an issue. It's Come not going to be shade. They're going to be melting from the heat. Uh, no, know. it'll be fine. It's going to be great. Don't they have, they have, uh, it's rare. I know this from my own collection. They do have reflective Lego. Like, yep, they do. A few bricks they also have, they're silver. Do they, so how, how vast, what, what's the variety of Legos? Is it all the types of Legos that have been created? Because there are like, like okay. yeah. Because then you got the connects, you got the uh, oh, that's a good you know, point. All sorts of there's a, there's a variety there. All right, so there are technic. Yeah, uh, I don't think connects is a link. It's not connects. You're right, a technic. That's what I was thinking. There are technic. There's also the, remember those? There's ones where like they had like weird like masks. I think they're bionicles. Oh, oh bionicles. yeah, bionicles. Yep, your yep. bionicles. So I'm just um, saying, there's a lot of variety there. There's a lot to. No, I think Riley's society will be like a highly advanced technological society. <laughs> We're gonna be a warlike tribe of horny alien people that don't talk. With weird ridges on their noses. Yeah, it's okay. You no, know it's cool about the ridges, by the way. If they were to wear glasses, it would like lock in at different levels. Yeah, they never have to, uh, you know. Yeah, never adjust. So if you were to do that, Kari. Because you do have your glasses and your speedo. Yeah. If you were to do that, it would blow in their minds. Like, you see what he just did? Yeah. He just moved his glasses up his nose. He doesn't have nose notches. Oh, by the way, you, you think I still have the speedo. I'm a god. <laughs> also, I mean, also, I don't, you do. I don't need you don't no want, You don't want to keep that speedo anyway. That's no, what, that, yeah, that speedo was filled within no. moments. He, of the well, I, yeah. yeah, are you serious? That speedo is nasty. <laughs> <laughs> that speedo is like, a, that's like a. That's like a, a cult relic for their religion they make about you. you can, Kari can see my, uh, like we can see each other's islands across. That is the, the flag of my nation. It's just shitty draws. <laughs> I'm going to build a tower and that you can see from your Shit island. Shitlantis. That's my place. <laughs> I'm actually going to say, uh, I mean, I think I'll we wave to you from soon. the top. <laughs> Kari probably can't see you from his island because <laughs> it's when you're in the water, you can see it. You're just far enough. But if you build the tower, you could totally see Kari and his shit flag. And I, well, I'm going to build a giant Riley bot on there. Yeah. Because oh, you said I could create life, and I'm going to make a really big me. And I, he can see is that. Is that fun? Is that what you well, It'll be a robot. A big version of it's yourself? Gonna be, it's going to be great. <laughs> this turned out so much better than I could have hoped. Hypothetical <laughs> island. Hypothetical island. Thank you.
George, you, know, you never introduced yourself. This is George. O'Connor. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey. So, um, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hypothetical Island podcast. My name is George O'Connor. I am a comic book artist. Um, oh, yeah. I'm Riley Brown, also a comic book artist. And today we're joined by our first ever guest. His name's Kari Randolph. He's not oh, talking. George hey. forgot. It's yep. me, uh, Kari Randolph. He's I'm, also a comic book artist. I'm also a comic book artist. Uh, the three of us both used to be all the three of us both. All three of us used to be members of the same comic book studio, Hypothetical Island. Um, Kari and I are still studio mates. Uh, our new studio is called Studio Kalaka. Um, I haven't. We haven't actually been studio mates in about eight thousand months. But you know. yeah, it's been ever since the quarantine. Although you know, I did. I didn't tell you guys. I went to the studio today. Did you? I biked there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, so we're studio mates, but. Because of the quarantine, we haven't been seeing a lot of each other. So we're doing this. Riley and I, uh, as you know from listening to previous episodes, have started doing uh, our Hypothetical Island podcast. And I think we'll have other guests, other castaways from the Hypothetical Island. But we want to start with Kari because he has the best voice in comics. <laughs> and um, just like we've done in past episodes where uh, Riley interviewed me and I interviewed Riley, today we are going to kind of tag team interview Kari. But I figure uh, a good way to start would be to let Kari just kind of uh, do a general introduction about himself. All right. Well, my name is Kari Randolph. I broke into comics in 2003. Working that was my for first Marvel question. Comics. Um, and since then, I've worked for every, I think, every major company in comics. Uh, I, I've done work for Marvel, DC, Boom, Image, uh, Oni, Oni, IDW. Uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of stuff right now. I uh, I am the co-creator of a book called Excellence. Uh, with uh, my good friend Brandon Thomas. It's coming out monthly from Image Comics. Yeah, that's 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 about it. I guess I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> not that exciting so uh, you know so you mentioned that you broke in in 2003 Kari. Yes. i think one of the most interesting stories is the different routes people take to breaking into the industry i've heard it said that nobody no two people ever get into the industry the same way so um i know that you're one of the people who came out of the comics uh super school sva uh but like <laughs> how would you describe your <laughs> How would you describe, like, what's your actual, could you elaborate on your, I, that sounds like um, I was being snarky. I wasn't. Like, <laughs> my laugh is being snarky. You were being snarky, yeah, but I just went yes, along with it because it's a delightful laugh. What was your delightful actual school. route? Like, how did you break in? Like, what did you do? Like, what was your route? Okay. Uh, so my route, uh, I, was at, I was at SVA from 96 to 2000. Um, the summer before my last year of, college i actually just moved to new I, I moved to new york outright because before then i was staying at the dorms during the year and then going back to boston for the summer and i decided that i was just going to live in new york and i got an apartment with two other friends and i went and got an internship at dc comics and so i spent the summer interning at dc just trying to learn the ins and outs of like editorial basically and what how department? to make comics what department? Editorial department. Yeah. Wait, which department? Editorial. Oh. Yeah, I did an internship uh, so, at Marvel in the bullpen. Because when I signed up for the internship, I didn't know what the difference between one or the other was. And mm-hmm. editorial is definitely the way to go. If any of you listeners are thinking about an internship at one of these companies, editorial yeah. is definitely the way to go. The bullpen. Yeah, you, like at DC, it was, it was editorial and production. And that's, that's what the bullpen is. No shots at production, but you want to intern at editorial. Yeah, I was just making photocopies and scanning stuff. It was very boring. Huh. I mean, I, I was doing the same thing in editorial, but I was also interacting with literally every editor. So yeah. by the end of that summer, all the editors knew my name. Yeah. And you were I was like talking. accidentally dropping pages off in their offices. Oh, look at that pile of copies I made. Oh. It wasn't even accidental. It was literally <laughs> just here's a new... I would On my off time, I would just make copies of my samples the dc copy machine and just distribute them up and down the hall like, nice that's all i did nice that's um, smart <laughs> it was smart. honestly so some of the interns i've met 
at these places are so shy and so scared of everything that you probably stood out just for your brazenness, just for your willingness no to talk to people. Riley, you, I mean, you guys both know at this point that I really don't no. care. So you're a nihilist. Do you care about I'm, I am a nihilist. Um, and so at the end of the summer, I actually, um, I sat down with one of the editors, Matt Idelson. Uh, and he said to me, he was like, Hey man, I have this Catwoman inventory script uh, that we need someone to draw. And he's like, I, I like what you're doing. Uh, would you like to draw it? And he's like, I can't tell you when it's going to get published, but it'll get published. Because this is back when companies actually had inventory issues. Yeah, imagine uh, that. They don't really do that anymore. But I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Uh, and so I took the script home. And now it was like, this was like, I'm back at SVA for my senior year. This is my first week of school and I'm just looking at the script and I'm reading it over and over and over. And I'm just realizing that I have no idea how to draw this shit. Like it was, it was like completely over my skill level. I couldn't do any of it. And so after like, I, I want to say like two weeks, I, I called up Matt and I was like, Hey man, I was like, uh, uh sorry to be that guy. Um, but here's the script back. I can't do it. Wow. And so oh, no. my first job that I was offered, still in college, I bailed on. Wow. And wait, the story gets better. <laughs> do you know who wound up drawing that script eventually? Darwin Cook. Close. Uh, and Stephen Harris. No. Our really? studio mate. Uh, one of our Harris. studio mates, in a sense, kind of your arch enemy. Yeah. <laughs> he is absolutely my nemesis. Wow. And I, I think it all started right then. Holy cow. He I was sitting here. Script. I'm doing the math. I'm like, wait, so you just said you broke in in 2003. This is 2000. Clearly uh, yeah. something goes horribly awry. Yeah. I figured you did it and they just shelved it forever. But no. no I bailed Oh, out. that must have been the most painful phone call of all time. That sucked. It sucked. Yeah. But I was like, this, it, was, it was just... I didn't, like, before that, I think I had drawn maybe a total of, like, seven consecutive pages. And the idea of looking at 22 pages and, like, trying to draw that and, like, and this is, like, the internet was a thing, but not really a thing. And, like, trying to gather all the reference for what they wanted me to draw. And I was just, like, I can't do this. I can't do it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So fast forward past that. I, I graduated from SBA and I went into doing like licensing artwork for various different companies, but I still was dreaming of getting into comics. So I started putting together an actual portfolio and I started going to comic book conventions. And so I went to San Diego Comic-Con. I would, I get portfolio reviews from like Top Cow and all the various different companies and, they all liked it, but they were all like, you're not ready yet. And I was like, all right. Mm. So I do reviews. I do, I do more samples over and over and over. Nothing works for me. Uh, was, even, sorry, but, was this around the time that you were on Pencil Jack? Well, that's when everything changed. Oh, okay. Because well, Pencil Jack is when it kind of clicked for me. Because at Pencil Jack is when I started meeting other artists who were also trying to break in around the same time. Uh, for, you, for you guys listening who don't know, Pencil Jack was a popular comic book art message board uh, in like the early 2000s. That's actually where I first met Kari. Um, That's right. Uh, I was a few years behind him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was on Pencil Jack. I was on a few different message boards. And one of the message boards I was on was a message board called Lead Heavy. Mm, yeah. Lead Heavy was run by Scotty Young and uh, Mark Brooks. Uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, uh, John Samariva, a bunch of guys who I all kind of became cool with. And um, eventually, uh, Sean wound up leaving to do his own thing. And then they invited me and another guy, Sean Galloway, to Mm -hmm. join their crew. And so now we became like an online studio. Mm. Uh, And long story short, Scotty got a job doing a book called Manga Spider-Man over at Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scotty had to leave that book to start on another book. 
And because me and Scotty were friends, Scotty went to his editor and said, hey, CB, you should give my friend Kari a job because he can do a pretty good approximation of my style. I'm going to jump in here. I always thought you designed manga Spider-Man. No. No. What? That was Scotty Young. Actually, no, it wasn't even Scotty Young. It wasn't. It was was Kari Andrews who designed him. Oh, wow. Another one of your nemeses. Another one. Yeah. I mean, we got the same fucking name. It's bullshit. You don't see that many Kari's, but apparently there's a lot in the comic book industry. Um, when, when we were starting 10 ton studios, we were looking at lead heavy a lot to see how, like, like, how did these guys do it? You know? So you guys were, you know, part of what inspired us to do our thing. Yeah. And that was, that was it. But even with that job. Was that Scotty's first gig too? That was Scotty's second gig. Okay. That was his second gig, but his first like monthly book. Right. Okay. Um, and when Scotty called me, he asked me if I wanted to do it. And I actually turned him down too, because oh, I was yeah I'm I'm a fucking fool man. I don't know. Why do you have a career? <laughs> I don't, you, George. This I backdrop asked myself, doesn't make sense. It should be a back alley somewhere. You should be talking to a cat every day. Um, so Scotty hit me, and at the time I had a full time job drawing children's books, and he was like, "Yeah." Wait, I didn't know this part. Yeah, that's right. I was oh, illustrating children's books. Making a note to ask about that after. That's right. Oh, that's that's a that's a fun story. I can tell you about that later. Um, <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, you got four weeks to draw it." And I was like, "I can't take four weeks to draw this book. I got, I got this nine to five job that I go into every day. I can't do it." And <laughs> I hung up the phone, and I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and my roommate Wes was like. What was that? And I was like, I just turned down a job from Marvel Comics. And he looked at me and he's like, what the, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? He's like, uh, how many jobs you going to turn down? Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is literally the, the dream you've been working towards for like half your life at this point. Uh, you have to take the job. And so I thought about it. And um, I... I uh, I called my boss that night, and I said, "Hey man," <laughs> I was like, "Hey man," he's like, uh, "Is it cool if I take like uh, maybe two to three weeks off?" To not even four weeks. No, not even. No. <laughs> I didn't. I knew I couldn't pull off four weeks, uh, but I think I said like two weeks. I mean, I think I actually did take off four weeks, but I think I told him two weeks. Right. <laughs> of course, that's <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I need, I need a couple of weeks off to, to draw a comic book for me. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. He's just like, that's, that's what you've been wanting to do anyway. So good. Take, take some time off. Cool boss. Yeah. And I called Riley. I mean, I called Scotty back like five minutes later. I was like, yo, give me that job back. And he's like, I'm and sorry to offer to this guy N. Stephen Harris. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's, and that's um, how I broke into comics. That's a fascinating and somewhat infuriating story. Yeah. You are really your own worst enemy. That's I'm awesome. an asshole. But you've overcome it. So Even to yourself. Yeah. To this day, <laughs> I'm still an asshole. I mean, you're a comics artist, right? That's the yeah. way it works. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Riley, do you have any questions for our esteemed guest? Um, I mean, I mean, from there, because I know you worked in animation at some point. Right. Mm, yeah. Did, where did that come from? I guess I thought, I always thought you worked in animation before you worked in comics, but... I forgot about the Ninja Spider-Man thing. So no. where did the animation come in? Animation came in because my, basically my comic book career, after I got, okay, after I got Spider-Clan, the manga Spider-Man book, yeah. immediately after, after I finished that, they offered me another Spider-Man book as a fill-in. And I got that done. And then they offered me like a three issue run on new mutants. So I was getting work like back to back to back. Yeah. That's um, the latest at Marvel. If they like you, they just yeah. get, they give you more work than you can handle. Yeah. Which I incarnation mean, of new mutants was this? Like who was the team at that point? Uh, was it like the classic or was it like some sort of other? It version? was, it was a, it was a revamped new mutants <laughs> that only ran 12 issues. Okay. Um, I don't remember the writer's names off top, but what happened was that book, 
was severely um, off schedule. And what Marvel said to me was, if you can get this book back on schedule, we're going to relaunch it in a couple months with a book called, I think it was actually called New X-Men. And we will give you that number one to relaunch and that'll be yours. And so I was like, okay. Uh, So I knocked out those, it was like issues nine, 10, and 12. Uh, And I got them all done. I finished them out. I drew them like three weeks a piece, which is like insane now that I think it's crazy. Wow. I can't draw it fast. What a a pace for like (laughs) three three issues back to back. That's disgusting. That's Um, really fast. And And a team book. And a team, yo. Yeah. And a team book. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of stuff happened in that run too, but that's, that's a whole other story that yeah. we can get I'm, to another time. I'm guessing but, there weren't many, very many backgrounds in these issues. There were. <laughs> <laughs> so Cannonball fights somebody over New York City and it's like, no, come on. Can I, can I, if we have time, can I tell you a side story about yeah. New Mutants? Yeah. So at some point during that run, there was a young uh, New Mutant by the name of Anoli. Right? Yeah, uh, little green dude. Like oh, yeah. he's that lizard guy, yeah. Yeah, the lizard guy. Yeah, i um, Well, at the time, I was hired to kill that character. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> like, literally just murder him in real life, though, right? Well, I murdered him. Like, <laughs> basically, the, the, I, I think the Statue of Limitations is up, so I can say this now, because <laughs> this was like 2003, 2004. But the storyline at the time was that Anoli was a gay character and that he was going to come out to his parents and his parents disowned him. And as a result, he was so distraught, he kills himself. No, that's, that's not good. And I was like, Oh shit. I mean, that's probably not the response you're supposed to have, but I was like, (laughs) Oh shit. I mean, it's a heavy story. Like that's, I'm about to get out of this shit. I'm about to destroy it. (laughs) <laughs> so I drew the fuck out of these pages. I drew these pages like nothing I'd ever drawn in my life. I like, I had all these heavy shadows and like very dark scenes. And like, I put my heart and soul into these pages and they inked them up, they colored them and they lettered them. And then like a week before they went to print, my editors hit me up and they were like, Oh yeah, we can't publish this. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they were like, yo, this is this is an all ages book. <laughs> they were like, this is messed up. <laughs> they're like, if we print this, all the advertisers are gonna bail on this book. You got to change this. And I'm like, Wait, wasn't it the last issue anyway? It was. It was. Everyone's gonna get really mad about this book we just canceled. Listen, man. In 2004, I don't think Marvel was there yet. Yeah. <laughs> for all that. Uh, um, is, is this story known that Anoli almost died? I have not talked about it too much publicly because I didn't want to get in trouble, but <laughs> I still have the pages. <laughs> you should sell those. How, wait, okay. Can we get like a, can we get a hypothetical islands? Like, like how does he use his giant arm to kill himself? No, because he didn't have that giant arm yet. Oh, he, that, that was the fact. That's okay. what the character's power is. If he loses a limb, it grows back as a giant monstrous version. Wait, and, is that really uh, his power? Yeah. Because I guess, I an, like, in real life, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a lizard. That makes sense. Well, he's an annul, and I guess they have regenerative powers. But oh. it's like he's also slowly turning into, like, this giant monster. And I think, oh. so that's kind of like, yeah. I don't know. Well, guess what? He can slit his damn wrists, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh wow! I kind of want to. Well, that's how he did it. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. You didn't design him, did you? No. I okay. Because I want to lead this into a side question, which kind of um, I, that's why I was kind of like, wait, you didn't design manga Spider-Man because last week we celebrated the fact that I don't know if you know this, Riley, is, one of his characters he designed is now officially going to be a Marvel Legends action figure. I saw. They've beaten saw. around the bush with Bob the Hydragoon, which he hates when I call him that, but that's what he is. Um, <laughs> He is. He is. But now Shikla is going to be an actual figure. And I was going to say, how does it feel to have beaten Riley to the punch by many years? Because I, I remember seeing a manga Spider-Man figure like probably like almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean. But you didn't look, design that, so. I, uh, I didn't design that. But I had a hand in designing 
Duke from um, from We Are Robin, and I got to figure that one as well. Yeah, that's what so. I, w- I was. Right, I forgot about I, that. Yeah, didn't you design? Did you only was he the only one you designed for that? Or was there? No, it was it was uh, it was a co-design thing between me and Lee Bermejo. Okay. Okay. So Lee had a bunch of ideas. And I kind of like crafted them into the look. Oh yeah. Back to what I was saying. Um, so they said they can't publish this comic. They said they can't publish it. So I had to redraw half of that issue over in about like a week, a week and a half. And it fucking sucked. I'm <laughs> like, going in the Marvel app and looking this up wait, right so after this. Was it like 10 pages or like half the book? Or was it more I redrew, half? I would say I redrew at least seven to 10 pages. Wow. In like a course of like maybe 10 days. Um, and it looked real bad. Like it looked like shit. Right. Um, and I, and I, I, I can't verify this, but you know what? I didn't get any jobs after that. <laughs> oh no. I didn't get that. They gave that new X-Men book to another artist that I will not name. I think um, I know who it is. I can kind of piece this timeline uh, together. It wouldn't be that um, hard to look it up if someone's interested. But, but you're not uh, the only person I know who's had that. The editor comes up to him and says, hey, you got to do me a favor and do this issue double time and we just got to get it done. And they save the editor's ass, they get it on time and it looks like crap and they just don't get hired again. And it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, (laughs) I didn't get any work from Marvel again for like, I mean, that was it. (laughs) That's when you moved into animation. And that's when I kind of, I lucked into animation because I was was doing side, I actually started doing storyboarding. I, I got, picked up by a storyboarding agency in New York doing stuff. And then I got a call from my friend, LaShawn Thomas, who was working on Boondocks at the time. And you turned him down. What's that? He said, no, I'm too busy doing this. And he's like, okay, we're paying a lot of money and it's going to make your dreams come true. You're like, nah, I got to do this uh, thing. No, that time, by then I was smart enough to know better, especially because I had like very few other prospects and I actually hated storyboarding. So I jumped to that and I didn't know anything about animation at the time, but I was just basically him or some other person would provide like the front shot of a character and I would basically turn them. Oh, cool. Can you uh, tell us some of the series that you worked on? Uh, I worked on Boondocks. Uh, I worked on, uh, there was a time when there was like a straight to, couple straight to DVD Hellboy movies that came out. Yeah, I remember I didn't know you worked in those ones. Oh, yeah. I uh, designed a couple characters on that. Okay. Um, You you worked on the Batman, too, right? uh, No. No? But you did do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I did. I worked on Ninja Turtles. Yeah. um, And I worked on Wolverine and X-Men. That was it. Okay. I was confusing. uh, I did a lot of work on that show. That was a nice-looking show. Yeah. I've only watched, like, two episodes. I watched, like, the first two, but... I don't know, maybe it was it was a legit really good show and uh it was getting good ratings i think the only reason that it didn't go to a season two was because that was around the time that disney bought out marvel mm. uh, and they started uh, shutting down all yeah, of them like marvel no that's fox shows. screw that we're not gonna do that that's Wasn't exactly it, on Nickelodeon? it might have been <clears throat> it was on a channel i didn't have that's why it I was on one of those like it was like a side nickelodeon channel yeah, I only saw it um, after the fact on okay. some sort of streaming service. I think it's yeah. on Disney Plus now, so I'm going to watch it. I'll be like, I know the guy who did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I drew myself in that show a couple times. So. Really? really? Were yeah. you an Oli? Oh, look out for it. No, but I think, did I draw an Oli for that? This is Green Guy who's trying to like, you know, end his life in the background. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Oli uh, fans are going to hate this episode. Yes. I think my friends at Marvel are probably going to hate me too. So. All right, yeah. Well, let's <laughs> yeah. hope this is a big hit and everybody hears it. friends are for? Yeah. All right, so we got any other questions here? I know I have tons, but I don't want to monopolize. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. That was... I want to hear about the kids' book portion of your career because most of the stuff is stuff I've known after knowing you for many years. I didn't sure. know that you worked in kids' books. I did. Uh, that was actually my first job. Was so, it a publisher we would have heard of? Was it a book packager? <laughs> what was the sort of, th- what was the job? So, okay. So, do you, all right. So I think you guys remember the Teletubbies, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Preparing us for eventual alien domination, clearly. Yes. You're like, so, guys, get ready. The moon's going to, I mean, the sun's going to smile at you and weird <laughs> TVs in their bellies are going to enslave you. So the company that 
did Teletubbies. Uh, it was, they were called uh, Ken Weiselman Presents. That's the company that Good I was name. doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble. Um, <laughs> I worked for them while my senior year of college. Like I barely even went to SVA my last year because I was working full time. That's the way to do it. Yeah. I was just like, I'm, I'm working. I'm learning more at this job than I was learning at SBA. So Sorry, I'm professor. I've got I'm a real job. Brief aside to anybody who's like listening to this as a way of actually breaking in. College might be good to learn a few things, but like for goodness sake, if you were ever in a situation while you're going to art school and like you're being offered jobs, yeah, ditch it. Like art school is a place where the degree doesn't matter. It's the work that yeah. you put in, the work you create and the jobs and connections you make. So most of the people I know who are doing well kind of phoned in their last year or two of college. Pretty like much. they went to art school because yeah. that's when you're out there trying to like find work. Also your professors should understand. Like, and that's the other thing too. Oh, they like, did. You and hopefully help like, you out. And my help. Assignments. Like, come the, on. The professors, they should have helped you guide you a little bit. They, yeah. they weren't that mad at me, honestly. I mean, yeah. they, they understood at that point. Yeah. Um, I really only graduated so that I could give my diploma to my mom. Cause I was like, yo, you paid for this. So yeah. you earned it. I don't, I don't even know where my diploma is. I don't know where mine is either, honestly. Riley looks in the wall where his is. He's like, I, I, no, I did, yeah. I do have it on my wall. I think my mom framed it and said, this is going up on the wall. Yeah, I don't have mine. But yeah, so I worked for that company. Uh, and so I was, they, it was, I was working on Teletubbies and then I was working on a property called Eloise, which was about like a- Eloise of the Plaza Hotel? Yeah. If you go to the Plaza Hotel right now, there's drawings of her all over, right? Those drawings are done. I mean, they were done by the original artist. Hillary, Hillary Knight. Hillary Knight. But what my job was, and it, it wasn't just me, it was a whole crew of us, but our job was to basically turn Hillary's art style, turn it into something that you could license and package. Because wow, the way he oh, yeah, drew, I remember when that was being done. That was us. Okay, can I guys tell you? Can I tell you my crazy story about Eloise and the President of the United States of America? Um, please. Okay, so um, if you go to the Plaza Hotel in New York, the, it, Eloise is a very famous children's book by Kay Thompson um, and Hillary Knight. Then it's you know a great kids book. I love it. Um, and there's actually a portrait painted by Hillary Knight in the lobby of the Plaza okay. Hotel, and I wanted to go see it. So I went in there, this is, I don't know what year this is, but we could figure it out pretty easily. Cause I'm walking through in the Plaza Hotel, like the lobby's full of all these like rooms. And all of a sudden Marla Maples runs by. Wow. Do you remember who Marla Maples is? Of course. Of I don't course. know who that is. She was, um, I think she eventually married Donald Trump. Did she? She was definitely, I don't know if she did maybe. I think she's Tiffany's mom. And she's definitely someone who Donald Trump had an affair with while he was yeah. married with someone else. Wow. Well, she was with um, some, uh, I forget the name. I don't know, Ivanka? It was someone with a Russian name. Yeah, I think his daughter's George, Where is the story going? Are you okay. Eskimo brothers with Donald Trump? <laughs> no, no, no. So like Marla Maples goes running by and I'm like, oh, and I, I, I forget who I was with. I might've been with my mom. I'm like, that's that lady Donald Trump sleeping with. And like a second later comes Donald Trump himself running after Marla Maples and apologizing. Wow. He'd been having some sort of public wow. fight. We got to see the president, well, the future president of the United States running after his scorned lover being like, I'm so sorry. Oh, I can't do a Trump, but it was, uh, <laughs> I was close. How, how have I never heard this story before, George? I don't know, man. I feel like I tell the story a lot. On that one. That's a good yeah. one. <clears throat> That's a I good mean, one. it would have been better if I tripped him, right? Like I said, I tripped him. <laughs> He hit the floor. His head exploded like a cassava melon all over the picture of Eloise. It was wonderful. It would have been better if you, if you and the lady dated for like six years. <laughs> yeah, I like kind of... By the way, guess how I met you. <laughs> that's how I got married to Marla Maples. <laughs> you, got, you were married to Marla Maples? So that's it. I'm, no, yeah. that's pretty good. But that's yeah. cool you worked in Eloise. I love that yeah. book. Those books so are... Basically, amazing. long story short, a lot of those drawings in the plaza actually done by me right because i had to the thing about hillary knight was that while he was in a, a phenomenal artist he never drew eloise the same way twice uh so also at that point like model. yeah i put her on model and that you could like rotate her and turn her nice. around and so we gave her a consistent look and so a lot of that art is actually like the 
it's like the licensing artwork in the right. cool yeah because that was um so basically backstory for people uh eloise was a hugely popular book i think it was published in the 50s originally 50s. There were yeah. it, so there were three sequels published eloise in paris eloise in moscow and eloise at christmas time that also did very well this book was a phenomena like it was like madeline or something yeah. and kate thompson the woman who wrote it was actually a kind of minor actress. If you ever watched the movie Funny Face, she's like the third build character in it. Wow, and she I actually did. Really yeah, she was really bummed out that she was best known as this kid's book author. <laughs> so she literally pulls the other three books out of print, even though they were selling well. She doesn't pull Eloise because Eloise pays the bills. And more specifically, that woman lived, Kay Thompson lived rent free in the plaza because of the amount of business this book generated for the plaza until her old age. Wow. And but the really sad part of the story is Hillary Knight, who's actually a guy, I should mention. Yeah. Hillary Knight lost probably millions of dollars of income over the course of his career because yeah. she pulled these books out of print. That's and right. he's he, a tremendous he he illustrator. At all. No. Um, the, he did like these amazing books and he, and he didn't have a good deal on the first book because it was his first book. Yeah. So yeah. he lost millions, I would say, of dollars. Huh? And had a successful children's book career, but yeah, she's okay, Tom. And like this, those books are like beautiful. Like they're have, amazing looking. Yeah, dude, I have all of them over there on my bookshelf. I have, I have at least one of them down here. Yeah, I love those books. They're super great. Um, he's an amazing illustrator. He did this great book called The Parade. That's like this like weirdly sexy like picture book with like all these like half naked people in a parade. It's really spicy. Um, he was great. Um, that's really cool. I didn't know you had that connection with that. That's like such a cool thing. Yeah. Um, and then they did all those other kind of like latter day Eloise books, like yeah, Eloise. There was a TV show. There was, was a TV show. Yeah. There did was, you work on that too? Um, I didn't work on the show, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of my artists in there, I would, I would think so. Cool. Wow. Um, but yeah. Are you all I, famous? I mean, I bring that up because like the next year, the guy that owned that company, Ken Weiselman, completely lost that company. <laughs> like, just, he, he made so much money off of Teletubbies, and I think he made a bunch of bad deals off of other shit. And then just that company shit cans. And then he started up another company, and he wanted to have children's properties, but ones that he actually owned, because he was licensing mm -hmm. before that. Right. And so me and another artist, created a character named Bunches the Monkey. I hate it already. Bunches yeah. the Monkey. Okay. Uh, Bunches the Monkey. It sounds dirty. Uh, and uh, I drew two children's books about Bunches the Monkey. Uh, Writing and we had a whole setup in F.A.O. Schwartz. And it was what? a big deal. Uh, it was a big deal for like, you know, a couple weeks. Um, Did you do these under your actual name? I'm, yeah. I'm looking this up and yeah. it looks like it's i see pictures drawn in like a zillion different styles for this bunch is the monkey let me see let me see are you credited with it i should be yeah i mean ken weisman is definitely getting all the credit but i'm pretty sure i got credit as the illustrator i ken love Weisman's... you bunches yeah that's it <laughs> what's I love it called you the monkey bunches? bunches this is like some this is exciting <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's me quite a book <laughs> that's me <laughs> is wow. that the first thing on your resume i love you bunches we don't talk about bunches that much anymore <laughs> bunches of love yeah oh my god did you sign did you have a signing and did you sign a bunches of love uh no what a what a mistake no, what a missed opportunity I, I know i'm sorry that's like the way whenever i sign one of my books i sign it by george get it like by george i think he's uh -oh. that's, cute. that's very witty george this I'm, I'm a witty guy i don't know if you guys know that i'm good at wit i wit good all right. Uh, We're not laughing at you right now. No, no, as well you shouldn't. <laughs> so, um, okay. This is really cool. Like, we definitely hit some stuff I didn't expect. I love that our your islands were in opposition and almost certainly headed towards inevitable conflict. For sure. Um, I like that you kind of went the nihilist route, that you, like, wanted to live fast and die young, yeah. whereas Riley was definitely moving towards some sort of weird imperialist, like... <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Like, I, if you play your cards right, you definitely die like a week before Riley's giant ro Riley robot comes over and kills all the purple nationals. I'm not going to that island because they're going to make me shit myself. 
<laughs> you can make Lego earplugs. Well, all of Riley's Lego people would eventually rise up against him as well. So Riley thinking, would also kind of die. Like a, a Gulliver's Travels thing. Yeah, like like they don't need him anymore. And you've been entombed in Lego brick. You're like, I can't yeah. move. Oh, they man. would enslave you, and then they'd only let you come out to create new Legos, and that's it. Oh, man. Well, I, I can navigate those waters. Yeah, you say. <laughs> so you say it now. So um, I have another question for you, if you don't mind. Um, okay. Riley and I are both enormous Masters of the Universe fans. And uh, I mean, even today, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm drinking out my Manny Faces glass. Um, okay. Who is your favorite Masters of the Universe character? Um, don't act like you don't know one. Probably Stink or... Nice! That's a good one. That Just is because- a good one. I wanted that one, but my mom wouldn't get it for me. Really? Yeah. You never got it? You don't know. I never got Stinkor. Never oh, got it. Stinkor was essentially a merman repaint that was uh, painted like a skunk. But what made him truly like awesome was they mixed patchouli into the plastic they molded him. So he smelled bad. He really like, did smell bad. Yeah, my brother had him. He really did stink. I mean, what a great concept for an action figure. <laughs> It's patchouli too, which I didn't. I don't know as a, as a kid, but like that's like what hippies wore, right? They were like that was patchouli. Like, I don't it know. What was like a, it was like a scent. Um, I remember there's like some John Cusack movie where he kicks Tim Robbins and says like, "Get out of here, you patchouli smelling motherfucker." <laughs> that's how he learned patchouli. I think <laughs> so. It's like something like hippies wear, like dirt or filth, and <laughs> they put it into the mix with uh, this this like merman painted like a skunk. Good, good choice, though. No, I, I appreciate uh, Masters of the Universe because they were so creative and that every character basically was what they do plus or at the end. Yeah. Uh, it was, they really put a lot of work and effort into those names. You know what makes it inexplicable, though? Faker was not fake or. How, how? That bums me out. Right? That's actually right there. Yeah. I kind of assumed on. he was fake or. It only makes sense. I, I kind of call him Fakor. He's Fakor. But it, it's a much better name than Faker. Yeah, Faker just sucks. Just Fakor. Remember they used to have the commercials where they would just sing the name Fakor, Fakor. I don't. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What was the guy with all the faces? Was he Manny Faces? Manny was Faces, name? right here, yeah. yeah. Uh, we were oh. talking about him last week. He has a clearly human body, and you'd rotate, and then he's got a clearly human body with a robot Only head. the face that transforms. And then again, and clearly a human body with a monster. Fooling everybody. (laughs) Although, um, the recent figure, did you ever get the Masters Universe Classics version, Riley? Mm. Like the original one, not the filmation one. I did not. He came with a second disc of heads you could put in there where he became Skeletor, Prince Adam, and Orko. Yeah. Which is like, so then he's like got this little stupid Orko face with still the big muscular man body. That one's kind of funny, though, because he's got the cartoony eyes in there. Anyway, what, what you, you got anything to plug? You got um, Excellence is coming out. Tell us about Excellence a little bit. Okay. Uh, so Excellence is about uh, a secret society of, uh, of magicians living in New York City. Uh, and they are tasked. Uh, I, guess, I guess I should mention that they are black. They're all black. And they are tasked with uplifting humanity uh, but only certain people in humanity and never themselves. Uh, so they're basically invi- they're invisible to 99% of most people, but they go around helping people and uplifting other people, but they can never use their gifts to help themselves. Is there some metaphors happening in there? There's, there's, there is some social commentary in this book, Riley. Yeah, man. It's the exact opposite of Harry Potter where those wizards use all their spells to make their socks dance but never use it to prevent the Holocaust. Right. Yeah, <laughs> fucking monsters. Just like that. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, and also, you're, you're also one of the co-creators of Black. I, well, yes, no. No, I can't even say that. I'm, no, I'm you're the, not? No, I'm, I am... I get a lot of credit for Black because I'm the cover artist. Yeah. So they Mark use the covers to sell the books a lot. So whenever there's an article about Black, you see the covers. So everyone thinks that I draw the book. But I actually, when I was doing those covers, I had no idea what was even having, what happening inside the book. I had no idea. Oh, wow. And then when you did the spinoff uh, or the sequel series, White, you actually yep. used one of our studio mates as the giant white demagogue monster. 
Yes, uh, our our studio mate Dean Haspiel. I thought he already looked like a good fit for the White Devil. Yeah, so he pretty much I is. Just, uh, you know, I used him as reference, and now he is actually the villain of uh, the sequel to Black called White. Ah, <laughs> <Funny>. <laughs> I didn't realize that was Dean. That's oh, it's Dean. <laughs> oh, it's Dean, and he's so proud of it too. He's like, "Yes, I'm a bad guy." It makes him so happy. <laughs> I am a cartoon character. Yeah. Is there anything else uh, that you're working on that you can share with us? Is there any dream pro- projects you have that you'd be like, this is what I, given my druthers. Given what was the question you asked me last week? It was like, if you had six months or something at like open license at. Oh yeah. Okay. Say you, um, somebody at any publisher, it doesn't matter, calls you up and is like, we give you a six issue commitment Mm-hmm. To do whatever you want with whatever character, an existing character that already is out there in the world. It has to be existing. What do you say, Riley? Does it have to I, be existing? It doesn't, it, it doesn't have to. I mean, no, actually, no, no, it doesn't. Whatever you no, want. I don't do that. Does it have to be a part of an existing universe already? It's whatever you want. They just say, we, we okay. need six issues. Here's your check. Because I'm going to be but honest with you. Like, the editors are fired. It's all you, buddy. Now that I've been in comics for like close to 20 years, I. Don't, I mean, obviously I will work for Marvel and DC, but I don't dream of working for Marvel and DC anymore. So, yeah. uh, you scratched that itch. Yeah, I've done it. Um, and so if I had six months and then I guess I'm going to die after that, is that, is that the idea? No, no, no it was just the idea was basically you had six months and no matter what you did, say like, for instance, you did a Batman story. You're like, okay, so it's six months of Batman getting gang raped by dwarves. They wouldn't be able to stop you. And that would be it. It would be six months of Batman being gang raped by dwarves. Why would I want to draw that, George? I'm just throwing that out. I'm just saying, like, we all have our different dreams. He's hoping. He's, hope- he's trying to find the right artist for his little <laughs> fantasy <laughs> look, look, I have a Batman slash fic. It's called <laughs> 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 The Dark Knight Gets Gang Raped by Dwarves. I'm pretty excited about it. There's seven of them. Get it? <laughs> no, I, I actually I have ideas for create our own projects that I want to work on. And I think if I had, if I had a chance to do anything, it would probably be those, honestly. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, those are things you'd be to share, of course. Uh, I will then somebody would, to. yeah, somebody okay. would make, somebody well, make yeah. a like, PlayStation game about them or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say what the things are just yet because they might happen in the next two years. So, you know, I don't I want, you know how people be stealing shit out there, you know, you yeah. know Straight bullets left. All right, is there, is there a genre you can tell? Like just give us a make yeah, make the answer to the question at least something interesting. <laughs> uh, it would it would I okay? I'll give you I'll give you my dream comic book would be something that was set in the in New York in the eighties. Like I'm I'm like fascinated with like that specific like time period like that the, like the worst part of new york right uh when it was like as absolute shittiest <laughs> uh it's like super early was, 80s early 80s like right or when hip hop like... was being created and like crack was happening i would want to do something in that era but make it sci-fi that's nice. what i would say that's cool uh, i'm gonna throw out a movie recommendation have y'all ever seen wolfen uh-huh. i've heard of it Oh, man, it's okay. So it's a. It was based on a novel written by the guy who wrote Communion, the guy who thinks he was uh, what Whitley Strieber, the guy who thinks he's abducted by aliens. Okay. It's basically about like um, a, a super intelligent race of wolves that live on the edges of society and eat like the fringes of people. Okay. And it's they did a movie of it filmed in like either 1979 or 80 in New York, and it's like really cool to see like like exactly what Kari is discussing like. Because it's 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 filmed in like the edges of New York and its most bombed out, burned out phase. Yeah. Because that's where these creatures live. They're eating like the homeless people and people on the edges of that. And you can get to see like New York before it got like revitalized by <clears throat> the eighties, nineties, and beyond. It's it's kind of a fascinating snapshot. And like the World Trade Center is only like a few years old in it. Yeah, that's pretty shit, pretty wild. Yeah. I'm gonna watch Wolfen. That sounds cool to me. I think it's that's, on- that's the era I like. Yeah, that sounds cool. I could totally. Yeah, see I would love to see something that. there. That's cool. What kind of sci-fi? Everybody, um, like, steal like, that idea. Uh, oh. Sci-fi set in early 1980s New York, bombed okay. out. Yeah. All right. So, um, I guess I think we've hit everything, right? I think so. 
I mean, we'll have you back for sure. You were an excellent guest. Uh, your voice is delightful to listen to. I love that you and Riley uh, came up with different diametrically opposed ideas of your perfect <laughs> islands. That's kind of what we do. Um, like getting to talk Eloise wasn't, didn't have that on my bingo card for today. Didn't know so, about that. Um, did didn't know. Didn't know. <laughs> no, nobody did. This is exciting. So um, I guess uh, signing off from Hypothetical Island, uh, this is me, George O'Connor. This is me, Riley Brown. It's me, Cario. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, this was fun. This was fun. We did um, it. I miss you guys. Hypothetical Island. Hypothetical Island. Feel the wrath of Poseidon. <laughs>